0: Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm joined this week by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich, and by Tyrone Marshall. The name, Rich. Hello, thank you both for joining us. You join us as well as a listener as we look back on a game where United dominated the first half, failed to take their chances, and improbably dropped points again. No, it's not the Middlesbrough review. Or the Burnley one but I look back at the weekend draw with Southampton and I look ahead to United's dropped points against Brighton in midweek as well so um, Samuel you know every game it's been like deja vu was there anything at the weekend with the draw with Southampton that was at least different for you from the other games or did it feel like you know history no. repeating itself
1: no even down to Jadon Sancho being the best player so even when the positive is the same positive it's there's there's just there's, there's a dearth to go at really from from our perspective in terms of writing about United at the moment. I don't think there would have been a shock result at the weekend, other than maybe United thrashing Southampton, even if Southampton had won 3-0 or 4-0 at Old Trafford. I don't think that would have really registered as a shock at all. Most people walking down Warwick Road, going up Smack Busby Way, uh, United supporters, I, I imagine a lot of them would have expected Southampton to take something from from that game, uh, I certainly did as well. I wasn't, you know. Fortunately, we weren't asked for our predictions on on Friday, whenever it was. But going into the game, I just thought it had the makings of a draw. I think the Brighton game was the makings of a draw as well. Brighton are a, of a similar level to Southampton. Some very, very good individual players. Good coach. Um, collectively, there's there's an awful lot to to admire about them. They've had a pretty good season as well. They've also shown uh, in in the recent past against United what they can do against them. But in terms of the game at the weekend, I, I think it's it's almost unforgivable, really, when you concede a goal uh, against Burnley on the Tuesday in the 47th minute, I think it was, and then on the Saturday, in, you're 1-0 up uh, and you concede a goal in the 48th minute. That the mentality of this team is just it's broken. I don't think it's going to get repaired before the end of the season by an interim manager. There are a lot of things that he's trying to do that are laudable. Uh, there are some things he's trying to do that are just not going to stick. Uh I I get it, you know. some people are now saying, well, you know, maybe it's time to actually accept that the players were to blame. The players have always, you know, been to blame to an extent, as as is the case in most uh instances where manager is sacked, the players deserve a hell of a lot of the blame. I think the difference earlier this season was that. United were so bad that you couldn't even argue that they weren't down in tools under Solskjaer. There was just something wrong in the coaching department there um, that, that was well documented. Now they've got a collection of coaches who are on the field and are trying to change things. But immediately you just look at it from the perspective of some of these entitled, egocentric players that are in that dressing room, and they will be looking at him thinking this guy is, has only won a German cup um and the intertoto cup as well if even if you got i think you used to get a certificate for that back in the 90s or whenever it was still still going and those players are not going to really um that that's not going to wash with those players even though a lot of those players are responsible for united's most fallow period since they were last last relegated that's the way it's shaping up so as 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 much as they've been on repeat repeating over the last week or so um i suppose there are new new developments coming to light about the, the culture in that dressing room and and to be honest it is quite a toxic dressing room from what what i've i've been told from what you hear um what what you get informed of things that the, the, the backbiting from from one player is just is is so vindictive he might as well be wearing an opposition shirt every time he, he lines up for united and there's not the, there's no harmony there as as we've said before. When when you know, cliques are always going to be um, commonplace in in dressing rooms, but they're not a problem if you're winning and if you're doing well at United. Obviously, those those cliques are going to be a problem, but the, 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 they've just been found out this season. As we've said before, raised expectations, crowds back in uh, with additional adrenaline fueling through the players so many of them have just been found out and yeah, the the situation is pretty dire, but it's not as dire as the league table suggests because they're they're surrounded by dross as well. So every week they seem to get reprieved at the
0: moment. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it's, especially when you had the, that microcosm of the last results, it's going to be more maybe perceived crisis than it actually is. But, you know, the mood can change quickly. Like we said, who knows what will happen? Well, we probably do know what happened against Brighton on Tuesday, but a win could, could lift those spirits. And Ty, if we're going to talk about positives, Jaden Sancho looking really good from the left, you know, he's got his confidence back. But even that performance for me at the weekend... The switching with Rashford just didn't make so much sense because, to me, Sancho looked so good on the left. But what have you made of his recent form? And do you think that he just needs to stick to that inverted role now?
2: Yeah, I think he does. I mean, right wing for United is becoming like left back in your school team, isn't it? It's the position nobody wants to play. It's the last one to be picked. And they've got a collection of wingers now who all want to play on the left. Sancho was signed to fill the right wing position in In long, in long the long term. He might well do, but it's clear his best form at the moment is coming on the left and, and cutting in. It was the same against Burnley. He looked better there. Him and Rashford swapped and they both looked best. But on the left against Burnley, tormenting Connor Roberts. And again at the weekend, they both looked better on the left. But Sancho is the better player. He's the more informed player. He has to stick to the left. There's just no easy solution to, to what's going to happen on the right in the short term because... Going back 18 months, two years now, Rashford was used on the right last season under Solskjaer and would consistently have his his poorest games on the right. His confidence looked shot on the right. He doesn't quite seem to know what what to do and how to approach playing out there. He created the goal from that position, but it was it was pretty routine and it was a relatively central run, really. Other than that, there was one, one poor cross from the right. There was a moment where Pogba floated a, a beautiful pass to him. And the move just broke down because Rashford didn't seem to know what to do. And Alanga is the same. Alanga wants to play on the left, cutting on the right. You bring Martial back, he wants to play on the left, cutting in onto his right foot. So there's no obvious solution who is available at the moment to, to play on the right. I guess maybe you'd be tempted to give Alanga a go there in, in midweek. But for Sancho, like we said, he is the positive. He's been the best player in three successive United games now, all of them from the left-hand side. He looks full of confidence. He's dribbling. We're seeing the, the player that has thrived in the Bundesliga, really. He's happy to take players on. He's confident. He's willing to beat players. He was almost overconfident in, in the one first-off chance when he should have squared it to, mm. to Ronaldo or Rashford to run on to, but kept on dribbling and, and took his man on. But that, in a way, that's what you want to see. He's got that confidence back. He looks an exciting player. He, he's the one player at the moment when he gets the ball You think something might happen because of the way he's approaching games. And he's undoubtedly been the one big positive over the last three weeks. And and yeah, he has to be pretty much the first name on the team sheet now. And he has to be starting on the left wing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's another player that United fans will be looking forward to see against Brighton, see how he he comes up against Lamptey there on the right. You know, that'll be a really interesting battle, uh, given how far he bombs forward. So United's midfield. (laughs) this sort of it sort of sums up united doesn't it because when united are on top that midfield looks good you know you got fernandes and pogba a bit of freedom they can do what they want but then when United are on the back foot, they are so easy to play through. The amount of times that Southampton just waltzed through, there was no competition. They're so easy to get through. McTominay was isolated as the, the, the sole defensive midfielder. What have you made of that setup? Do you think that this 4-3-3 three, three that Ranić said he is going to you know, persist with to the end of the season, do you think that is actually the right thing to do? I know we've all, in the recent weeks, we've said that it, it gets the best out of the most of the players. But again, they're just so vulnerable in the centre of the park.
1: I think it is and it has to be just because the alternatives are are worse and McTominay is is probably not the answer there, but that is the best use of him because if if you're playing him as one of the two weights, that means one of Pogba or Fernandes aren't starting and that just seems quite perverse really and, and McTominay has got it in him to at least play competently there. The trouble is last month when he comes up against two Serious midfielders and Moutinho and Neves, and this month in Romeo and War Prowse, he just gets found out. Um, he he is a squad player at best. There's complete merit in having uh, players like of his ilk and Fred's ilk in the squad. Uh, they're they're very honest players. They they have good attributes, but they they have a ceiling. And they've probably been overplayed in the last last three years because of the, the the lack of midfield reinforcements there. Going back to when 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 Fellaini was sold, really, and you know, because everything that could go wrong does go wrong at United, Vanderbeek starts for Everton in in a position and a formation that Rangnick favours, and plays really well, and Everton win win 3-0. Um, that, that's just the way it's going for United. I, I, I think Marshall and, and uh, Ahmad also got got assists at the weekend, which is, again, if if anything can go wrong, it, it will go wrong with where United are concerned. But I, I don't think that was as much of an issue as... I mean, at, at the moment, I think the way Ronaldo is playing, he's, he's just so drained of confidence. Um, and the, the dilemma they have there is that if he's not starting up front, it has to be Cavani. Now, as everyone knows, Cavani can only play once a week. And as everyone knows from last year, when the weather gets bad and the rain starts teaming down, Cavani doesn't like to play whatsoever. And they've set a dangerous precedent with the Middlesbrough game where he clearly wasn't going to start. And bearing that in mind, they decided, and he asked, can I stay in Montevideo a little bit longer? And they said, yeah, no problem. So it's, it's at the point now with Cavani that if he doesn't start, he can pretty much cry off and not be in the squad whatsoever. And that, that precedent has been accepted by the manager. And that's just, I mean, we don't even sound surprised by this because that's the culture at United now. And Rangnick was never going to have total authority anyway because his title is prefixed by the word interim. And he's only there until the end of the season. And he's certainly not going to be there next season now. I think the way things are going, I don't think bookies would even take bets on that. But that is a big problem because it, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of Rashford and Cavani because Rashford has played there. But we all know Rashford is not is not up to it as, as a centre forward. Um, Anthony Alanga is not a centre forward. Um, you know, th- then you're out of options there. You start looking at Joe Hugel or Charlie McNeil. And okay, you know, Rangnick has said that United you know, it's obvious United need a younger centre forward in the summer, um, you know, a forward of some repute anyway, who 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 can play up there with with Cavani almost certainly going, but that doesn't really help them in, in the interim where they've got what, best more than three months of football left to play. Uh, two thirty something. I think Cavani's birthday today, so he's thirty-five now. And they're not just having to rotate. It might not be a case where they're re- rotating between the two of them now. It's just a case of playing Ronaldo, who is getting worse. Um, as I said at the weekend yeah, in the program when I opened it up, and the graphic at the back says so many goals. I just think, okay, you are, you are setting yourselves up for the fall here. And what happens in the first few minutes? Ronaldo goes around the keeper, and somehow under hits a shot that uh, the defender clears with with reasonable ease. And as we saw in the Middlesbrough game, when he misses a good early chance, he he doesn't play in a natural way. He he becomes tenser. He becomes uh, he, it's it's that classic case of of maybe trying too much. That cliche. So as as poor as the midfield was, and I suppose the most startling thing about the goal, other than just the ease with which Southampton beat United's press, or I don't think you could even call it a press. Watching it back today, I think it actually starts with Fraser Forster kicking the ball to a teammate. Now, for those of us who are old enough to have watched Mark Bosnich, Fraser Forster's kicking is similar to that, and Mark Bosnich could barely kick a football for a goalkeeper. So the fact that you've got this cumbersome goalkeeper managing to find, I think it was the left-back with a 20-yard a pass, and then Southampton transitioning from their own third to the final third with a minimum of fuss... It, it it's probably United season in a microcosm, and and that wasn't even the worst of it at the weekend.
0: Ty, I was going to come on to you next in, in terms of Ronaldo as well. I mean, you know, we joked at the weekend, didn't we? That it says so much United that they've managed to make him look low on confidence. It's, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. This is the man who rips his shirt off when he scores a penalty and shouts "C." You know, like how can United solve this? Is is it about trying to reduce the? the expectation on him and that workload is it about giving him a bit of a rest out of the team or like Sam said is it just a case of when he doesn't take these early chances his head drops he realizes he's not in the title challenge he thought he was when he came back here and that you know maybe there's some regrets about coming back to manchester in the first place
2: i'm not sure i think they've just got to play him keep playing him and, and hope it comes back to him really you're right i mean it's incredible that a man who's trademarked his own goal celebration and is rarely seen with his top one on Instagram is, is somehow low on confidence. But that seems to be the situation where we're at. Samuel mentioned that that miss before. The, the other one, which there was a couple of moments as well in the first half, which surprised me. The one where Sancho sort of clipped across to him and there was a narrow angle for a first time shot. But it was on and it was the type of shot Ronaldo would have taken on 10 times out of 10 in previous seasons. He didn't. He took a touch. Still, there was an angle for a right footed shot cut back onto his left, took a heavy touch and the ball was cleared. And then when he set up, Pogba's disallowed goal just for half-time. He was so far offside. He was closer to St Mary's than Old Trafford. It was absolutely incredible how far offside he was and how badly he timed his run. And he is, At the end of the day, he is 37 now. It's not an age where many players are still leading the line for clubs the size of Manchester United. and He is incredibly fit and physically fit, but at some point age is going to catch up with him it's it happens to everyone it's indisputable and he looked 37 he looked like a 37 year old striker on Saturday he couldn't time his runs you wonder whether part of that is is the fact that he knows maybe he's lost a yard or two that he feels he has to set off quicker that he's not adapted yet but he just looked you, know, this, you know, he looked mortal on Saturday and he's not paid to be mortal and and that's a problem for United that He is missing a lot of chances he does look low on confidence but he also looks he looks a more normal player he looks a more run-of-the-mill centre forward when Ronaldo is is supposed to be and has been for a dozen years or more 14 years maybe extraordinary and and out of this world and he's he doesn't look that at the moment he just looks a standard you know a, a good striker a decent premier league striker but not the level United need him to be and not the level they expect really but I don't, you know, I don't. I think dropping him is more trouble than it's worth. To be quite honest, the, the issue is you're dropping him for someone who we know is going to leave in the summer anyway, and whose attitude to playing isn't exactly brilliant. So I'm not sure there's a solution there, but I think it's something that needs looking at in the summer. Ranić has said they need a younger striker. Whether that's someone who comes in and plays second fiddle to Ronaldo for a year, but on this evidence, do you want Ronaldo leading the line next year? On recent form, and maybe on the whole season's form not really sure that's that's ideal for United I think you'll need to see more in the next the last three months of the season to be certain that he is the man to to lead the line and, and lead the attack next season because he's you know he, the risk of pointing out the obvious he's not going to get any younger he's going to turn 38 next February and it's it, it is going to catch up with him at some point and I think there's there's potential issue there for United in terms of who they sign and if Know, the chances of them signing harland are getting slimmer by the week given their their form and, and where they're going to finish this season. You know the race for fourth is is proceeding at a snail's pace, but if United like don't get it, they're not going to sign harland. So no. it's on to whoever whoever else is is on their B list of strikers really. But if by some miracle they do get fourth and they do manage to sign a striker of that caliber, it's going to be an an uneasy marriage for a year I think with whoever that is in Ronaldo
0: Exactly. I think, as Samuel sort of touched on the weekend as well, you've got two strikers who could both leave for the MLS. You know, that could be their next career path. That sort of says a lot about where United are at, at the moment. Of course, you know, Ronaldo is Ronaldo. There is the caveat to that. And when he's playing badly, he's an, he's an easy target to, to hate. But, you know, when he's scoring his last minute goals, he still had a, a big impact to, to, to a degree this season. But, you know, we should wait and see. Um, set pieces, Samuel. Like I said, there's that one where about eight players were offside from one free kick, <laughs> but Maguire almost scores the winner from a set piece at the end. United did score from a set piece at Burnley. We, you know, we could have stood. So they're getting better, is that what you're saying? I'm asking you. I mean, it seems like the fact they haven't scored from one is, is always going to be held against them, isn't it? But they, they have scored from one this season, it just didn't count and you know, probably should have counted. But do you think that... What do you think the problem is? Do you think it is that like deliveries are bad or do you think it is United are just wasting really good chances again? Because Harry Maguire gets on a lot of balls from corners and free kicks and he does not get them on target very often.
1: Well, the the header he had the weekend it was a free header, and there was just no no conviction with it. He, he planted it. I think I saw uh, BT afterwards said, um, like described the save by Forster as, as sensational or or something really exaggerated. He, he should he should absolutely have, have saved it. It was, it was another of those games where if you were just to look at the statistics and how many saves the keeper made, you'd think oh the keeper must have had a good game today. He, he didn't. Every shot was pretty much within his reach or at him. And again, that's the galling thing for United. The last two keepers who've played at Old Trafford are not good goalkeepers. Fraser Forster had to go back to, to Celtic at some point in his career relatively recently. Southampton have found themselves putting him back in goal when I think he might have been third choice at the start of the season because they had McCarthy and Gunn ahead of him. And McCarthy, I don't think, has ever been a particularly dependable keeper. Gunn. Showed, showed promise when he was when he was a teenager at City but it's it's not worked out for him now that he's playing men's football it seems and he's you know he, he might have a good running with Norwich he might not but I, I remember being told in the summer that <clears throat> before Varan officially uh, signed for United that he he'd requested clips of United set piece um, set up and so he could study them in preparation and uh, you know it was, it was very very diligent of him but maybe also quite pointless because they had just hired a set-piece coach in, in Eric Ramsey, so you'd imagine that would have affected some change. And in that Everton pre-season game at Old Trafford, the week before the season starts, I think they scored twice from corners. Maguire certainly scored one. I think there might have been another goal, direct or indirect, from a corner. And you thought, well, you know, th- th- there's an instant impact there. But I think it's 128 corners now in the Premier League this season since w- w- without scoring. Um, the last time a United player scored from a corner was in January of last year. So you're probably pushing 200 corners um, in, in the league alone since they scored. And I don't think they've scored in, in any of the other competitions from a corner either. In, in fairness to them, even during Ferguson's time, corner-taking was was lamented. Ryan Giggs always used to be on corners and was not particularly good at them. He, he used to have this routine of, of drift, drifting it towards the near post, hoping for a flick on and someone would score just because it worked once in the 2003 Community Shield, which I realise is a, a very, very niche thing to say. But it's just the basics of it. Like you go back to Anfield 97, Gary Pallister scoring twice from corners uh, and you you had David Beckham taking it. So you were at a massive advantage and you also had David James in goal. So you were at an even greater advantage. But one was an outswinger, one was an inswinger. It was just a case of Putting it in the right area, the, the centre back would run onto it, and if he met it cleanly, which Pallister did in both instances, he, he would just he would score. So I don't think it's necessarily. I don't think it's difficult to take corners. I think that Sunday League teams probably are more threatening at corners than United are at the moment. And I mean, it is it is a bugbear of mine and, and others that if. Um, if a professional footballer fails to beat the first man, I think that that is pretty much unforgivable given the, the skill set they possess. But there was a period last season where they did look quite threatening at corners when when Luke Shaw was taking them and, and Shaw swung one in for Maguire to score in that pre-season game against Everton. But it, it, it has become like a joke now that the, the picture on uh, Saturday, the, the screenshot taken with six of them offside when Fernandes took it, it's, it's possibly the defining image of of the season. Just you, you consider how uh, esteemed those names are trying to attack the ball, and that doesn't even factor in the sheer pointlessness of Fernandez and Ronaldo's time wasting in disputing the decision. I, I don't know if they were trying to suggest that Al oh, Sancho hadn't headed the ball. It, it was completely besides the point. And then you had the atrocious Stuart Atwell indulging them and pretty much having a stoppage and taking. Uh, best part of a minute and a half to finally signal that yes this most blatant offside goal is not going to stand um so in the end regarding that particular uh moment of tragic comedy uh ronaldo and fernandez were probably more expert time wasting than any southampton player during the game
2: that um sorry just on that free kick that you both mentioned there just it's it sums it, for me. It sums United up this season. That free kick. Every single player attacking that free kick was offside by a yard, and it's not. You know, Southampton didn't did, didn't do what some teams do and rush out here and catch them all five or six yards offside. Southampton just held the line, and every player ran offside a yard offside. It is absolutely incomprehensible that Premier League footballers can all do that. It is careless. It's a complete lack of attention to detail. Carelessness. Not focusing on what you're doing. No, the the best teams in the league, Liverpool, Man City, don't don't do that sort of carelessness. They don't. They, they pay attention to every single marginal game. And I can't think of any other team true. in the Premier League like, could do it.
0: The tie. You, no, you say the no, best teams, no, like, no. even even the yeah, even nice. the worst ones or the lesser ones, are well drilled from set pieces. Yeah, yeah. It just seems to be United who have no just just no common sense or no insight at all to it. It's just no, basics. Absolutely. It's just and this, basics. I know
2: Eric Ramsey gets a lot of grief, and this is. Probably be defending a, a fellow Shrewsbury native, but Who's yeah, yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. You know, I'm not sure you don't need a set piece coach to tell you not to run offside from a free kick. Mm, yeah, that's on the players, just not paying attention to the game, yeah. not focusing if, on the game, yeah. not paying attention to the little details.
0: And if his job was to tell him what to do, that you'd be like, How did you become pressure foot in the first yeah. place? How did you get this yeah. far in life in, in your career without realizing that anyway? So I was going to bring you you onto this in a way anyway. How much of what we've seen in the last few games has been Ranick and the coach's fault and how much is down to the players?
2: Very difficult to say really. I mean the one thing you'd say for Ranick is that going forward they are they are playing a lot better and they look better going forward, look more creative going forward. I think uh, I mean at the moment they they're the only team in the world at the moment that look that have a crisis of confidence when they're winning rather than drawing. <laughs> at nil-nil, they're, they're playing pretty well and look quite good. And then as soon as they go 1-0 up, the fear sets in and then they concede. And, I mean, you can kind you can understand it in a way. And I was watching them for about, well, I was watching them all game, but for for that 15 or 20 minutes on Saturday after they conceded. And you're looking at it and they're, they're playing out there in front of 75,000 people. And all that was going through their minds must have been, I can't believe this has happened again. Because it was all that was going through our minds. It was all that was going through the fans' minds. It was probably going through the minds of everyone on the bench. I, I can't believe this has happened again. We've done this again, and as much as they should be able to get back in the moment and refocus on the game plan, it's it you know it's it, it's common common nature really. It's impossible to avoid the fact that the the fact they have conceded and they have played well and blown a lead again is going to play on your mind. And I think Luke Shaw said to MUTV afterwards that it, it does affect their confidence. That when when the when the game plays out exactly the same as the previous two games for fifteen or twenty minutes, it is playing on your mind. They could sense it amongst the fans, he said. And you can understand that. They need to be defending those situations better. But, you know, had they scored a second goal, they might have gone and won that game comfortably because they were creating chances in the first half. But as soon as the same thing happens again, you know, you can understand it taking 15 or 20 minutes to get it out of the system because it, it must just be perplexing and it's going to play on your mind because it was it was playing on our minds in the press box of how is this how is this possibly happening again? But, you know, I think... I think a lot of it is is on the players. There was the Hatters? I mean, Hatters post match comments should be an embarrassment. I think to those to those players and to that club really to to come out with such basic analysis of where's United's weakness. They don't like running backwards. I mean, was that, it
0: after was it after Wolves as well? Wasn't it Fonseca did the same sort of analysis in his post match about a minute. He just said, "This is how we won." Palen yeah. Pal- Pal-
1: Fonseca has he? Yeah, is it Fonse-
0: is it Bruno Lage? Bruno Lage. Uh, Bruno Large. Oh okay, yeah. yeah. Shows how much Daniel. I care about them. Portugal, he, yeah, I'm, confused. He's
1: done his utmost to get a Premier League job this season. Yeah. Well, he's done it in
0: my eyes. Yeah, So They'd Bruno Larch, the Wolves, after the Wolves, Wolves. Wolves game did exactly the same, didn't he? Yeah. Where he just yeah. ripped United to and shreds in about a minute and said, this is how we did it.
2: Yeah. And this idea that Hassan is exposed of they don't like running backwards, that's not a fitness issue. That's, you know, that's a, an attitude problem. And you come back, I don't want to keep comparing United to Liverpool and City, but at the end of the day, that's that's who they want to be compared to. So, Maybe we should be doing it. You look at the work rate of Liverpool and City's front three, you know, Salah's probably the best player in the league. He never stops running. And if his right back's out of position, he'll go back and defend at right back. And that is what these players need to do. And there's just a, a collective unwillingness to do it. And I don't think Hassan Hootel Hassan Hussle said it's not a big secret, which suggests that basically every Premier League team has, has spotted a weakness. And it can't it, I'm not having that it is fitness related it's not like United are pressing with the intensity that Southampton press for example they're not pressing monsters by any stretch of the imagination and they've had 13 games now to get used to this style they can't be not fit enough to play that way for 90 minutes and to not be able to run back and they lose the ball it's maybe partly systemic but I think a huge part of it is just a lack of you know a, a, a lack of willingness to do the hard work and the dirty work and and run back and get stuck in when you do lose the ball
0: yeah, like Sam said, it's just a real sort of mentality issue that just seems to not be shifting no matter who's in charge. And, and you know, we started the podcast by joking it'll probably be more of the same against Brighton. Sam, you've already said that you wouldn't be surprised by a draw. We're going to get onto the sort of pre-match preview now. What what are you expecting? Christ, um, a draw. Yeah, uh,
1: that's. I, I've I've no confidence in United taking advantage of Tottenham being like Tottenham of of West Ham not looking like they should ever come close to finishing fourth of the fact that Arsenal's two games in hand uh, away at Tottenham and away at Chelsea. Whoever finishes fourth was discussing it with with, uh, producer Guy before we came on here. I think the the last worst fourth place team was City in 2015-16 which was a bog standard Premier League season which obviously Leicester won and I think that was with 66 points. I, I I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if the team that finishes fourth this season come in lower than that. I think if you get 70 points, uh, you you should be fine for fourth, really. But that is that is pushing it at the moment the the way it's going. I think whoever whoever gets top four, or sorry, whoever gets fourth, it's going to be by default if West Ham get it. All their cheerleaders will say, What a great job Dave Moyes has done. And he will have done a great job to finish fourth, to finish above United, Arsenal, and Tottenham. But it will be by virtue of Tottenham, Tottenham and United certainly being basket case clubs and Arsenal at the start of the season fit into that category as well. But there is at least some discipline there from Arteta, and they have shown you know, that they've made some very, very gradual strides um, in, in in recent months. Even though it's not always uh, ended well, like like the City game where they were brilliant in the first half, but then ended up actually losing the game. So United. Well, that that's that's yeah. it, and you know, it is it is almost game recognized game. Like United have become almost a caricature of Arsenal. Um, Post post invincible season uh, because it's it's not post venger it's it, it's it's going back to two thousand and four and there are some eerie parallels with with Tottenham in terms of you've got this rather aloof figurehead at Tottenham and Daniel Levy who seems to be making some very bad decisions which is not uh, unlike what Edward Ed Wood was doing does anybody have any confidence that Richard Arnold will make good decisions I don't think anybody does just going off his background. But as far as the team is concerned, this team is just mentally weak. Uh, they don't like pressure. They were in their element when they were playing in training ground atmospheres last season and United made bad decisions on the back of last season that contributed to the state they're in this season. If, if United don't win the Champions League, which I know it's it's daft even saying that, but they are, they are still in the competition. You can't completely write them off just yet. But if they don't win that and they finish outside the top four, I think this will probably have to be considered the worst post-Ferguson season, even if they finish higher than than seventh. It was they they came in under, under Moyes and, and Ryan Giggs um, mm. in, in the last four league games of that season just because it has just been full of such dross that the outstanding result of this season so far has probably been against lowly Leeds United on the opening weekend of the season. They've been thrashings galore, uh, change of manager, just mentally weak, bad results, bad performances, uh, very, very few highs whatsoever. And the mood around the place is apathetic, toxic, just any negative word you can think of, you can easily apply uh, apply it to United at the moment. So although Brighton at home, looks like a decent fixture to have to play on a night where no other Premier League uh, teams are playing and you can you know get get some confidence back I don't think many United fans have got much confidence in them getting a positive result tomorrow night and as I said Brighton they've they've done well against United in the past whatever the result their their performance has been good they were completely robbed at the Amex last season in in um, at, at the start of it. But they've, they've shown uh, commendable metal this season. They've I think they've lost fewer games than United in the Premier League and Potter's a really good coach. They showed commendable resilience at Anfield earlier this season when I think they were 2-0 down, they got a 2-2 draw. I think if Brighton play well, they've got every chance of getting a good result against United. So unfortunately, because it's, you know, it is Groundhog Day and it's just quite, I felt quite numb leaving the stadium at the weekend, just, just from a professional perspective in that it was just it was just the same old and there was nothing to write about nothing to be stimulated by nothing to really get the juices flowing so I'm, I'm kind of resigned to it being another score draw uh, tomorrow night unfortunately
0: yeah when I asked for predictions there for those of you who are only listening to this podcast you can see the video on our socials as well Ty put his fingers up to indicate one all as his prediction <laughs> Ty yeah Samuel said that just more of the same for you
2: yeah, I think so. Just looking at the table, when Samuel mentioned Brighton's lack of defeats there, they've drawn 12 of 23 games and only lost four. <laughs> so, I mean, the last thing United uh, need to play at the moment is draw specialists. Um, yeah, I mean, Control-C, Control-V for, for Tuesday night again, isn't it, I think? Um, yeah, probably more of the same. I mean, United have won, they've played 29 games since they beat Newcastle 4-1 in September at the, the height of this team might actually win the league with this squad. And they've won 12 of those 29 games in all competitions. I mean, that's just wretched, isn't it? And the Randic's had 13 games now. A manager could not possibly have picked an easier 13 games to start with, really. The hardest game has been West Ham at home. They've had three one easy Champions League home game that was irrelevant anyway, two pretty easy home cup ties against the mid table championship team and a sorry, a championship team and a mid table Premier League team. Lots of run of the mill Premier League games. They've won only six of those thirteen. Yeah, I mean it's just you know, it, it would be no surprise if they didn't win. It would be no, would be no surprise if it was one one again. And they are we've mentioned it before, that top four race is just so hard to call because no one seems seems to want it. I mean, Wolves are coming up on the on the sort of rails all of a sudden with kind of impressive results. I think if they win their game in hand, they could be fourth, although. That would require everyone else to lose. Paulo Fonseca you know. does,
0: isn't it? <laughs> Paulo
2: is doing a cracking job there. Fair play to him. So subtle as well. Um, but it's, yeah, a travesty.
1: I mean... it's a travesty that United could go forth tomorrow night if they win, yeah. they go fourth. Yeah. That's so, what
0: that's yeah. for, as me as a neutral, that is it's what annoys points. me so much. This team should be exposed for <laughs> what they are. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they could get they could still get fourth. And for the moneymakers, that's oh these money's back. It's okay. We'll just have the season. We so don't have to make them. many changes. Exactly. Yeah. But whereas United, if they're going to actually make progress, they need to have this stark realization of just how, how bad they are.
2: Having looked at the fixtures last night, I would say Arsenal, Arsenal's games in hand, and I think they'll have a game in hand against. Liverpool maybe coming up soon. I don't think. I think that was due to be on the Carabao Cup weekend. Maybe the
1: Cups like weekend.
2: Yeah. Um. So they've got three. They're gonna have three hard games in hand. But beyond that, they're running pretty easy. And what Arsenal have been doing pretty well is winning against mm. non-top six yeah. teams. I mean, they, they lose every difficult game they play, but they seem to win all the rest. So if they continue that until the end of the season, I think I think they'll they'll get fourth. But Obviously, it, you know, it's Arsenal, isn't it? And it's a young team. And if they suddenly find themselves in fourth, the nerves might play a part. But, you know, United's, United's fixture list has been pretty easy under Ranik. It gets a hell of a lot more difficult come the start of March. And it does feel like they are, at the moment, blowing their best opportunity to, to strangle hold on fourth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see what lies ahead when United do face Brighton on Tuesday night. Of course, you can follow that match live on the Manchester Evening News. Samuel, Ty, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you, Rich. And thank you very much once again, wherever you are in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.